0: Hi, and welcome back to the Swell Shenanigans podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, but you can call me Swell here on the Swell Shenanigans podcast. I like talking about all things pop culture, social media, and shenanigans. And today we have a follow-up episode from last week's episode. I put out my video on the Daily Harvest situation and the same day I was reached out to by Bill Marler, who is a partner at the Marler-Clark Law Firm, also known as the Food Safety Law Firm. He's a lawyer and food safety advocate who has been representing victims of food poisoning since 1993, and he reached out to me saying that he was representing over. 160 people who have been poisoned by Daily Harvest and that he wanted to talk to see if we could clarify a few things and put a few things into context from my video. And I asked if he would be willing to come on Swell Shenanigans so that other people could benefit from our conversation. And we ended up setting up this time. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Bill Marlar. So my first question for you I know is how you became aware of the situation. Did someone did you hear about this on social
1: media? There was some, you know, a little bit of noise in social media that, I, you know, I just happen to pay attention for, because of what I've been doing for 30 years. I sort of pay attention to things that are happening that, you know, sort of sound like they revolve around food or people getting sick from food. And then I got a call from a client of mine who I actually represented in the Jack in the Box E. coli outbreak back in 1993 who's become somewhat of a food safety advocate over the course of the last 30 years. And she had eaten the crumbles and was sick. And apparently then she called me and said, you won't believe this, but it's blowing up all over Reddit. And to be candid with you, as you can tell from my age, Reddit isn't the thing that I spent a lot of time looking at. And so, you know, I went over there and I was like, I was just stunned by the, you know, the, the same, uh, complaints, you know, uh, liver dysfunction, gallbladder removals, uh, you know, on and on and on, and the consistency of their symptoms and the consistency of what they were eating. Then my email and phone just sort of blew up. I didn't do anything other than just like notice that. Um, and then all of a sudden I've been on the phone essentially for, you know, a week, talking to who must be their perfect demographic. It's you know healthy women between the ages of 25 and 45. For about, you know, probably 85% of the people, you know, that's who they've been. Um, and with remarkably, you know, identical stories of consuming the product, getting sick within Hours or a day, abnormal, you know, liver tests, um, high bilirubin, stomach pain, back pain, fever. Some people have gone on to have their uh, gallbladders removed. People are still sick, and you know, frankly, just scared, understandably, because no one's been, not one clinical case, has a doctor said this is the cause of your problem. This thing. And, you know, a a chemical or a toxin or a heavy metal, no one's been able to tell anybody anything, which you can see why people are freaked out and understandably. So that's how I got sort of involved.
0: Yeah, for me, um, I actually didn't hear about this from Reddit originally. I heard about it from TikTok, which is an even newer form of social media and from an influencer who was having these symptoms, Abby Silverman. Who I'm
1: representing by the way. Oh,
0: great. Okay, great. She's
1: great. She's awesome.
0: She had gotten the email that was sent out by Daily Harvest saying where people are experiencing discomfort, gastrointestinal discomfort, which is a very interesting choice of wording with all the symptoms being reported. She was trying to see if there was other people experiencing this and found it through Reddit. And then. How do you think, well, I guess this is a two-part question because like just the demographic you said so yourself, uh, 25 to 45, that is a large demographic that is very intertwined with social media, I would say. Do you think that that's the demographic that we're seeing because that's who their target core uh, consumer is? Or do you think that's just who we're hearing about because that's who's involved in social media and so they're hearing about the other cases?
1: I can only tell you what it looks like from talking to about 150 people um, so, but what it looks like to me is a combination of both. That is their target demographic of people, it, and it sort of, I think, probably makes sense if you look at the products. But then also that that people are on TikTok and Reddit and Instagram and all that, and so I think that 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 is, um, you know, that's what brought all these people together. And this is not to get too deep into the weeds about how foodborne illness cases generally happen.
0: Oh, we totally can. We totally can get into the weeds if you would
1: like. <laughs> okay, I'm like, ai a, have to bet I'm a big epidemiological nerd. So let me, let me just try to give you some context. This is a very odd way to find out that there's an outbreak. And I think it, it And and that's why I did this blog post, you know, is Reddit, the new FDA and CDC.
0: That'll be linked in the show notes for anyone listening at home. That'll be linked down below.
1: Here's the way foodborne illnesses outbreaks generally happen. And it's been the way for the last essentially 30 years and the technology has improved greatly in 30 years. But essentially what happens is, you know, let's just say you live in, you know, Nebraska. I live in Alaska. Um, We, you know, randomly eat the same food product and we both get sick within a relatively same time frame. within say days of each other. And we go to the doctor, they go, "Oh, you know, you're vomiting, have diarrhea, you know, you're showing symptoms of a foodborne illness. Doctors will do a culture either with stool or blood. And let's say they find E. coli in you and they find E. coli in me. Those are reportable diseases so there's a there's a diagnosed thing and it's reportable by law so the health department is mandated to contact you and go what the hell have you been eating in the last three four or five days and then then those stool cultures are sent to the state labs for genetic fingerprinting they actually pull the DNA out of the little e coli and they turn it into a thing that essentially looks like a barcode on the back of a cereal box. And then they upload that information to the CDC and the CDC is saying, Oh my goodness, you know, Mr. You know, Alaska and Miss Nebraska, they have a genetic match. They must have consumed or done something exactly the same. And then by the time they're interviewing us and they find out that you ate romaine lettuce and I ate romaine lettuce, and that's the only thing we have in common, then, then all of a sudden there's another one and another one in uh, New Jersey and Florida and Colorado, and all of a sudden you have a situation where you have a romaine lettuce E. coli outbreak.
0: So it it's it's usually starts with the health situation getting formally diagnosed essentially, yep. but in this yep. instance there is no formal diagnosis.
1: It's like the black swan event of foodborne illness epidemiology. It's not the way these things normally happen. But what what happened in this case is that the symptoms drove individuals to find out what the heck is going on, which drove some to Reddit, some to TikTok. And essentially, the masses (laughs) figured out what the common denominator was, which is Primarily, but maybe not exclusively, the French, you know, lentil and leek crumbles. Um, And then we can get into how I've now sort of tumble to the fact that it's probably a particular ingredient in the crumbles.
0: I did want to talk about that because um, you sent me a bunch of articles that you've been spoken about in, which is great, all of which will be linked in the show notes for those of you listening at home. But you came to a conclusion in your blog post, um, is Reddit the new CDC and FDA, is it the Terra And Terra Tara gum is not something that I had heard listed in any of the speculations through social media or anything. So I was interested in that because a lot of people have had uh, theories that it was the lectins, aflatoxins, other pathogens, or something involving in the lentils that are, because they are a legume and all of that. And I know that Daily Harvest, they tried to claim that it was potentially the consumer's fault for not cooking Mm -hmm. properly, which I think is already,
1: you've lost me
0: already. (laughs) That all of these people didn't follow instructions is just.
1: I spent the first decade of my life suing major meat manufacturers for making the same silly arguments that people didn't cook their hamburgers right. But, but the, I'll t- let me tell you what happened. Um, you know, yesterday morning, um, you know, I got up five o'clock, poured myself a cup of coffee, knowing that my inbox was going to have. Several hundred emails, so I sat down, flipped it open, and started going through it. And one of the emails I got was actually a voice message. So if somebody calls my law office uh, or or after hours, it transcribes, and then the email message, the voice message, and the and that now the email gets sent to me. And I was reading it, and it clearly sounded like somebody was having. Similar symptoms to the people in the Daily Harvest, and I assumed that it was a Daily Harvest case. I, I noticed it was East Coast, so I waited an hour till nine o'clock, and then I just called her and I just said, "Hey, I'm sorry you were sick. What happened?" She was telling me same symptoms, liver dysfunction. They're trying to take out her gallbladder, but she doesn't want them to, and uh, you know, on and on. And I said, "Well, you know, um, I'm happy to help. I'm representing, you know, 100 and." 55 people from Daily Harvest. She goes, Oh, I didn't eat the Daily Harvest product. I'm like, Excuse me? And she goes, No, this is this Revive superfood smoothie. And I started a Reddit thread, and there's a woman in Dubai who has the same symptoms. And I actually heard from this gal this morning, and this woman this morning, she said, There's another person in the United States with the same situation. And so So I go, that's either very coincidental or or like a very key thing, because I remembered seeing on the ingredient list for the crumbles, Tara. And to be honest with you, I didn't know what that was. And so I'd never heard of it. So I went to the ingredient list on the revive and Tara was listed. So then. I went back and I compared the two ingredients lists and I said, oh, they both have Tara. But then I thought to myself, well, if Tara is in other food products on the daily harvest line, that's not really sort of super helpful because you're not isolating that product or that ingredient. So, for the like next couple of hours, I just went through every ingredient list on the Daily Harvest website, and none of them have have terra in it except the crumble.
0: So what about the because there's two flavors of crumble. There's the French leek and lentil, and then there's the the mushroom and thyme lentils, I believe.
1: Yeah. It's just the it's just the French leek and 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 lentil. This is how an epidemiological outbreak sometimes gets figured out. It's by excluding or including things. It's not completely definitive that it's the Terra, but it's certainly, you know, what I would consider more likely than not, it's the Terra. What is it about the Terra that's making people sick? Is it something in Terra itself? I don't know. Is it something in the processing of Terra that was not complete because, you know, Terra, you know, is a is a plant grown in Peru that, you know, animals and uh, don't eat and it and bugs don't bother. So there's clearly something in it that you know that may have some sort of uh, toxic effect on animals. Maybe something wasn't processed correctly. Or Maybe like the melamine in the infant formula case in China in 2010, maybe there was a contamination event of the Terra during processing, or maybe frankly, even a you know, something that was trying to juice the protein content like melamine. All of those things are gonna get hopefully get figured out because people wanna know what made them sick. So hopefully it's some benign toxin that the liver has dealt with and people can go back on their lives or maybe it's something more ominous and there are and that they may have long longer term complications I, I have about uh 45 samples of the crumbles and then another dozen samples of other products from Har- daily harvest and i've been having all 150 of my clients flood the FDA with consumer complaints. And, with, and then I've been providing uh, the FDA un, with no uh, name identifiers, but with people's symptomology. And then I've offered the FDA to share tests with me. Um, I'll share the test results with them. They can have some of the samples, whatever. So the whole goal here is right now, we're trying to find out, A, was it Tara or something else? I, I strongly suspect it was Terra, and B, what's in the Terra that is causing all these symptoms. Have
0: you seen any of the claims coming out of, uh, I've seen it mostly in the Instagram comments on specifically Daily Harvest's updates on their voluntary recall and all of that and the updates. Um, People are saying that they actually have been reporting symptoms from other Daily Harvest products because personally, I did think it was a bit suspicious that they decided, they kept reiterating that their 100 plus other Daily Harvest items have not been affected. And I said, and they made a note that they are still feeding daily harvest to then their friends and family and they trust their products, which just as someone on social media who deals with marketing and a lot of products and businesses and all of that, like that to me, that's concerning wording. That's concerning to me. Have you heard any of your clients report anything from say the flatbreads is what I'm seeing come up a lot and causing discomfort?
1: Yes. So, so the answer is put it this way. Uh, of the hundred sixty ish people who've contacted us and retained us, I'd say ninety percent of those people are the crumbles and then there's these this other group of people that uh, probably um, yeah we're only- ta- I'm talking about a dozen ish people are people who say i didn't eat the crumbles I ate the flatbread and and they do st- are reporting identical symptoms and had medical treatment, medical care. So we can we can see we'll be able to see those records and actually tell whether or not they're you know they're similar complaints. That might argue that it's not the the Terra, you know, if it if it doesn't have Terra in it, or it could argue that there was some cross contamination event in the processing in the plant. And I think that's maybe a little too early to tell. um, But, you know, just because people ate the flatbread doesn't mean that it was, you know, uh, not what caused their illness. Um, And I completely agree with you. Um, And this is based on, I'm not a marketing person, but based on 30 years of suing food companies, frankly, the best thing that this company could have done is shut down, recalled all all product until they knew, Mm definitively what it was i suspect that by tuesday because of the holiday uh tomorrow i I suspect by tuesday daily harvest may well come out not necessarily oh by the way i agree with bill marler because i'm sure they would rather have me burnt in an oven right now but the uh i think they'll come out and and point the finger at tara is the likely Cause of this with an unknown, we don't know what it is yet. You know, the interesting thing is, you know, Terra only is grown above 9,000 feet in Peru. <laughs> and so it, and there's, there just cannot be that many producers of Terra and importers, exporters of exporters, importers of Terra. So my hope is. Somebody from the FDA is paying attention and somebody from, you know, the CDC is paying attention and we get to this sooner rather than later. At this
0: time, do we know if Daily Harvest has more than one uh, processing or packaging facilities or is it just the one? Because that could point to, like you said, potential cross-contamination if it is, if they are able to narrow it down to the Terra.
1: I don't know that yet. Um, I have a lawsuit filed and I'll find that out, you know, in in. Unfortunately, due course in lawsuits is, you know, 30, 60 days. Um, I do know that Daily Harvest doesn't actually make the food. It's made by a third party. And I don't know who that third party is.
0: Ooh, interesting.
1: (laughs) It's not super uncommon in the food industry. No,
0: I understand that. It's just for a lot of these companies, they market themselves as direct to consumer. And so typically the belief is that this is a company that does everything in-house and then ships out to their consumers after having their ingredients and additives and all of that delivered to them.
1: I would agree with that. Years probably, oh gosh, it's been almost, 15 years ago, there was a uh, an outbreak uh, of E. coli in baby spinach. And it was all packaged under the Dole baby spinach. But the only thing Dole provided was the plastic bags that the spinach went in. So that's a pretty common thing. And usually on the label, and I, I don't um, – and if anybody – has anything on their labels and, you know, listening to this, I don't have any of that, but it, it, it may well say, you know, packaged by or manufactured by Bob, you know, who knows? Uh, It it, it may wind up being that it's some giant corporation that did it. And, you know, we just don't know who it is, but I don't, I don't know the answer to that question yet.
0: So, but in the, you said you had samples of the crumbles, none of those packaging... None of those packaging have any identifiers on them at this time.
1: They, they, I don't have them. They went directly to the lab, so okay. I have a I have a call into the lab to see if it they have anything. But if any of your listeners, you know, know that they could also, you know, let us everybody know because I'm sure they will. In
0: one of the articles you sent me from uh, the New Yorker, you had a quote in there that I thought was very interesting, and I wanted to touch on this now. Um, you had a quote that said bag salad, refrigerators with secret drawers that are supposed to keep things fresh longer. We get so wrapped up with production and convenience and nobody pays attention to bacteriology. How do you think that something like, you know, Daily Harvest that really built their brand on pre-blended smoothies and the accessibility and ease of healthy eating and healthy lifestyle choices, how do you think that this all impacts, I guess, that type of company or just that brand of... Healthy eating moving forward.
1: I'm not an advocate of like eating massively processed foods, uh, you know, McDonald's hamburgers and you know, and and shakes made of God knows what. I mean, I'm not. I'm certainly, uh, you know, they have primarily because they've been sued a lot. They've they've got their food safety thing down to a science by taking all the risk out of it and. Um, and so I'm, you know, uh, I think eating healthily and I think the concepts behind a company like this or frankly, you know, you, let's use Chipotle as an example. Chipotle built its brand on, you know, clean food, organic, clean, non-GMO, all that stuff that gets everybody excited. They want to buy it and eat it and spend a lot of money on a burrito um and uh, great concepts and great social awareness i get it but you still have to pay attention to the details of food safety and a lot of times what happens to these companies is the same things that happen to you know sort of the panoply of companies i've sued over the last 30 years the you know the big box stores the massive manufacturers they stop paying attention to what it is they're producing and they're they're just producing a thing a widget a, a bolt a carpet mat for your car you know those things you can get by with like not paying attention to contaminants and bacteriology but you can't do that with food you know it's it's where it's a failure of What actually the head of FDA food safety calls a food safety culture. It's the failure of the people at the top to absorb food safety into their company, their being in their company, like their customers are absorbing their food into their bodies. That's sometimes where the failures happen. Um, You just stop paying attention to sort of what brought you to the party to begin with.
0: In the same article you talked about how, uh, or it was mentioned how you're frustrated by the short attention span of mass media. Are you worried about that more? Because that article came out in 2015 and it's now 2020 and social media has shrunken our attention span to six second increments it feels with no buffer time. Are you worried at all about how that could affect this potential, this case as it's unfolding or even just the change that could be infected or affected by this case because of social media and how that's affected things?
1: It's a great question. And it's one I've struggled with for, you know, a long time. And, you know, admittedly, I'm a lawyer and my my job is to represent victims and sue companies and get money for them, you know, get money for compensation for them. But, you know, as many um, little kids I've seen on liver failure, families of people who had to bury people because of food, as many funerals have I been to, as many p- kids I've seen pulled off life support. Food safety is a big deal in this country. 48 million Americans get sick from food every year. 125,000 are hospitalized, and there's between three and 5,000 deaths. Um, and so this is important stuff. But, you know, and I've been involved in this thing the whole time, pushing, making E. coli an adulterate, expanding. You know, I'm in the – right now I'm about to sue the USDA because they knowingly allow salmonella to be on our chicken. In fact, they have no – essentially no standards, and they – They give a stamp of approval on the chicken that it's USDA approved, but they know that it's contaminated with salmonella. Consumer Reports just came out with a test just a couple days ago. A third of all chicken in your grocery store is contaminated with a salmonella strain that could sicken or kill your kid, I mean, or you. But what happens is there's an outbreak and then the public forgets, nobody bugs their Congress members, and like nothing happens. And then I'm out like knocking on doors, suing people, trying to get legislation moved and a congress member so and so says, "Well, my my, consi- my constituents don't seem interested in this."
0: For anyone listening at home, this podcast is pro bugging congress people. We are oh, for my it. God, yes. We elect them for a reason. Bug them all. Get them to do what we want.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's, you know, I mean there are a few people in congress that pay attention to this stuff. But you know, even even my congress people from the state of washington you know who i've financially supported over the years invariably when they when there's something going on and they call i always kind of think first thing i think oh they're going to call and ask about you know the legislation that i've proposed through the house energy and commerce committee and so i pick up the phone and they're like hey we're having a fundraiser and we'd like you to be the co-chair and you're like, God damn.
0: Always want to be reelected, but it's like, okay, but we elected you to do this. Let's do this. Yeah, exactly. Let's no, focus on in, that
1: first. In 2008, 2009, I can't remember, 2008 or nine. I was so frustrated by the lack of media coverage. I started my own newspaper. <laughs> it's food, <laughs> food Safety News. And there's four reporters who I pay for out of my family foundation, although I do... Write op eds every once in a while. I don't bother them. I tell them I'm I'm like the not evil Rupert Murdoch, and so so I just let them do their thing. Helena Bottomiller, who's a a really well known food writer, uh, she had been at Politico until recently. She's she's left to kind of start her own thing. She actually started out at Food Safety News, uh, had moved to D.C and covered Congress for Food Safety News for two years before political snapped her up. But for two years, Food Safety News, and frankly, I would even say till today, is the only newspaper that kind of covers food safety full time. And that just shows how crazily dysfunctional our, you know, media environment is. But maybe we're all going to move over to TikTok and Reddit and Instagram. And, you know, we'll just get But it's, you know, it's crazy. I don't know how you, I don't know how you young people keep up. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, technically it is my job to keep up with social media. So I, I get that bonus. But yes, it's the ongoing, even just some of the articles you sent me. I I mean, I do think this might be the actual thing that finally gets me to stop eating meat in general because <laughs> some of the articles you sent me, but even the New York article, it talks about the listeria outbreaks that was tied to cantaloupes. And it's like, yeah. okay, is any of our food safe? Like, or should I just go to the woods and live off Live off the land and hope for the best.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Generally speaking, you know, after uh, there's an outbreak, and uh, you know, some reporter will call and you know ask about all this stuff, and you know, I have way too much information about diarrhea, you know, and uh, oh, and, and usually and usually at the end of the end of the conversation, they go, "God, what do you eat?" And I say, you know, it's more like what I don't eat. And she and this one, I remember this one reporter said, you know, well, what don't you eat? And I kind of listed like six things. A couple of days later, my daughter, who was in her, she might have been in her late late teens, early twenties, she texted me because I have three daughters, and the, the only way I hear from them is by text or by Venmo. Those are the two. You <laughs> know, usually very nice, but. It, they're that way. So she texted me and she goes, dad, dad, you've gone viral, which I was like, what's that? And so apparently what happened was somebody wrote a story, the six, the six things that Bill Marlar doesn't eat. It kind of circumnavigates the world like fairly regularly. So if you Google things Bill Marlar doesn't eat, you, there will be my list of things that Bill Marlar avoids.
0: I will add that to the show notes.
1: <laughs> There's only so much consumers can do to protect themselves. And this is not meant to suggest that it's the consumer's full responsibility. I I don't mean to suggest that at all, because uh, by law, these companies cannot and should not sell you food that will kill you. That's just, that's the law. I would hope. (laughs) But you have to pay attention and do what you can do to protect yourself. So it's the same, it's like washing your hands, washing your cutting boards. Making sure that hot things are hot and cold things are cold. That will help you uh, for the most part unless a company does a really, really bad job. And we have lots of bad jobs. There's a Listeria outbreak in Florida right now, sickening 21 people, it's killed someone and a woman uh, gave birth premature and and the baby died as well. Um, It was ice cream. You you went to an ice cream shop and got ice cream and it had listeria in it, which is a bacteria, quite common, means that the ice cream facility wasn't as clean as it could be. Five women were pregnant, you know, one miscarried um, and, you know, and a person died from eating ice cream. (laughs) So, yeah. So, yeah, I can be pretty depressing, which is Why very few people invite me over for dinner?
0: I didn't bring that up with like the goal of fear-mongering for my audience or anything like that. But I mean, at the very least, is there anything that as consumers we can do prior to getting sick to try and encourage better regulation in, say from the FDA and the USDA, et cetera, that we can do on our own without pointing to, uh, oh, look, I lost my gallbladder because of this.
1: The answer is yes. I mean, there is, um, let me sort of back up a little history. 1993, which was a Jack in the Box case, to about 2002, about 95 percent of my law firm revenue was E. coli cases linked to hamburger. So that's pretty much what I did the first near decade. I sued. I can't tell you how many meat companies: Conagra, you know, Hudson Meats, you know, Nebraska Beef. All of these companies, uh, because of E. coli cases, primarily children with kidney failure and death. The government did some regulation, the industry fought it. It took about 10 years to sort of work itself through, but I remember specifically in the summer of 2003, an E. coli case linked to hamburger didn't show up like it would normally, like clockwork for the past decade. And I thought to myself, it's like, oh goodness, I actually did put myself out of business and it's working. And and you know, I'll tell you the, the the really amazing thing is that public pressure, government action, a few lawsuits here and there, and the companies finally getting their act together, I don't have E. coli cases linked to hamburger anymore. It was a it was a regulatory and industrial success. And hamburger is not like so it's ex- more expensive w- with, you know, we, of course, we have our inflation problem right now, but it's not so much more in, uh, in, in, than it was 20, you know, 20 years ago. It's not, you know, it is just not. And so to me, that gives me great hope that if consumers were being, you know, more advocates for safer food at the USDA, if, if you said, there's no way that I should have to handle chicken like it's radioactive it just i shouldn't have to worry about that if people were advocating that you know that the fda be more accountable and that they actually have were properly funded to have enough inspectors to to go out to these plants you know some of these plants aren't ever are inspected like once every 5 years that fundamentally is just wrong.
0: Especially with how much food is being processed and goes through those facilities. That's just not even, that's not even close to enough.
1: And in the last decade, you know, the fact that we're, our supply chains have gotten incredibly long. I'm old enough to remember like when you couldn't get raspberries unless they were in season. Now they fly them up from, you know, Chile. All of that has changed the way food safety needs to be looked at, but we still have A very antiquated food safety system, and you know, and but yet, what happens sometimes, and you hit it right on the head. Consumers get excited about the next thing they that walks by, you know, and and all of a sudden, you know, they're off, and uh, and it's unfortunate because if we all kind of had this this momentum that we're you know people are seeing right now and Reddit and Instagram and TikTok, you know, and you know, people like you and Abby and others leading the charge, we could actually get something done and I could retire. Well,
0: just to wrap this up a little bit, um, I do want to hear what is the best case scenario of the outcome of this for both the the people that have been affected, the people you are representing, and also regulatory-wise, like what's the best case scenario of all this?
1: The thing that I'm most focused in on right now is what is it likely in the Terra, that's causing people to get sick? Because that is going to drive the needs of the people going forward. You know, is it a benign, natural toxin that the body's absorbed has caused a great deal of grief right now, but the liver does its liver thing and we can move on? Or is it something that can cause long-term negative impacts on human health We just need to know that, and that's what I'm spending my time doing right now is trying to pressure the FDA and the labs that I'm using to figure that out. The lawsuit side of the thing will kind of work itself out the way lawsuit things work themselves out. And I shouldn't say it's easy, but when you've been doing it for 30 plus years, I know the process. It's going to take care of itself. you know, from the point of view of changing regulations, I mean, one of the things uh, some of the experts that I found is that Tara may not even be a, an approved ingredient in food in the United States. And so, oh, so, so that's a, you know, a little thing, uh, but it may have been slid under some, you know, uh, un, or, or very not well-known FDA regulations called GRASS generally regarded as safe, and that somebody could say, this is safe, and the FDA never looks at it. And no, there's no, they just say it's safe, and then they get to put it in the food. So we we may need to relook at. Yeah, I think happens, so. I agree. <laughs> we, we may need to relook at that. But, um, you know, having people, you know, reach out to groups like you know, safe tables are priority. S. Uh, STOP. Um, you know, Pew uh, Trust, Consumer Reports, Center for Science in the Public Interest, all of those organizations are on the ground in D.C. doing that work, and we just need to support them and support Congress members and senators who pay attention. And that's the thing that you know we all can do instead of. Maybe if we spent more less time on TikTok and more time calling Congress members,
0: and then we can skip this question and cut it if you would like. But uh, I, I personally think that this may potentially spell the end of Daily Harvest because, regardless of what they their investigation uh, determines or what, if it is the Terra or if it was just the Crumbles, the way they've responded consumers and potential customers that were considering buying from Daily Harvest have zero trust in them. From what I've seen of what you've sent me, this is one of the smaller companies I would say that you have been involved with, with cases like this. So do you think that this could spell the end of Daily Harvest, in your opinion?
1: It depends on how deep their, um, how deep their customer pain has become. Uh, you know, I would have thought chipotle might have like gone the way of a restaurant who nobody remembers called chi chi's but chi chi's had a big hepatitis a outbreak and they went bankrupt and never to be seen again um, but you know some of these companies survive and in fact chipotle went from 700 hundred dollar per share stock to like 50 and is now well back they can survive but you know they've also said They've, they've turned on it, they pretty much turned on a dime and said, we're going to make food safety part of everything we do. You know, they went out and hired, you know, really good food safety people and turned it around. I just don't know if what kind of the way this brand is, and it was sort of built on the back of, appears to me anyway, built on the back of social influencers who've yeah. now turned on them. <laughs> I don't yes. know it's like one of those kind of things you live by the sword and die by the sword. I don't know if that's you know a fatal blow, but I certainly want wouldn't want Abby pissed at me, you know.
0: <laughs> yes. So. That's the uh caveat with working with social media influencers and content creators is you work with them because they have an audience and then once they're harmed or disenfranchised in some way, then they have an audience to tell about yes. that. Yeah, and that no, audience no. is now your customer base. Hey
1: Abby, I'll I'm taking good <laughs> care of you. So no, okay. she's great. And you know, and so many of the other people, there there's folks on Instagram, there's some guy who started following a, a guy or a gal, I don't know who, but on on Twitter called uh I think it was. I was poisoned by Daily Harvest.
0: <laughs> I did see that. Yes, they they reached out to me as well <laughs> after
1: my video. It's a really different world, and it's it's kind of exciting and a little refreshing, um, you know. And I don't mean that. I, I'm not. I, this is a completely serious outbreak.
0: This is a horrible outbreak. We're not negating that. But it's
1: really interesting, and I think it's going to become a real interesting case study about what social media. Uh, mass data, um, you know, all of that might mean in a positive way uh, to sort of catch these things. You know, I mean, maybe FDA is going to hire 20, you know, uh, maybe not influencers, but people who will spend their time on Reddit threads and Instagram and stuff, you know, paying attention to, you know, what's perking out there, just like they would do if there was the person in Alaska and the woman in Nebraska with E. coli if they started paying attention to the same sort of thing. But I think, unfortunately, there's a bunch of people at FDA who look like me and not enough people at FDA who look like you.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your your busy schedule. I'm sure you're getting more calls. And like you said, I'm sure there's either Daily Harvest will say something on on Tuesday or you'll get more calls, more cases, which I believe the number they gave was 480 reports. I think that that's low. It's too high regardless, but I do feel like there's probably a group of people who don't check email, aren't on social media, who like um, there are people who are may- maybe in treatment or are athletes who are older who don't go on social media and they just wanted a healthy, easy option and they don't know what's causing these symptoms yet. So I'm worried that number is not the accurate number.
1: And, and people are still suffering. You know, they're still suffering from what happened to them in May and June. And they're also suffering like right now. There are a couple people who are this week, they're what they're doing this week is getting their gallbladders removed yeah it's a big deal and thanks for your time and uh you know i wish you the best of luck
0: and i will have uh bill's contact linked down below for uh if you are experiencing symptoms and you have consumed the crumbles um that'll be linked down below if you if you are looking for more people to represent in this case?
1: What I'm looking for a, a lot is more product to test.
0: Okay, so if you still have your product, Bill will take it.
1: <laughs> and and we're, we're covering all the cost of it. And I'm like, again, I'm sharing it with the FDA and sharing the test results with the FDA. The lab I'm using is FDA certified. So it's not like, I'm not testing it in my basement or something. So
0: <laughs> You don't have the test tubes in your garage or anything no, like but that. I <laughs>
1: I may do
0: that. (laughs) Well, thank you again so much for coming on.
1: You take care. Thanks.
0: And that's going to be it for today's episode. Uh, Like I said throughout the episode, everything that Bill and I talked about, I will have linked in the show notes below this episode or in the description box on YouTube. And thank you all so much for listening. If you have any other questions, if you do in fact have packaging of the Crumbles, they are looking for more samples. So Bill's contact information, all of that will be sent down below. They will be covering the cost of that. This whole situation is horrific and ongoing, but I guess it's good to know and to get clarification that there are people paying attention and how different this case is with the involvement of social media to this degree. And that's going to be it for this episode. As always, if you liked this episode and you would like to hear more, I post new episodes every Wednesday. If you would like to rate and subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts or subscribe on YouTube. If you have any shenanigans of your own or any cases you would like to share, you can go ahead and send us an email at swell shenanigans at gmail.com. And that's going to be it. Have a lovely day. Goodbye.